Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You understand bread. And I like that. Like, you're not the master of bread. You're not Yoda. Jeez, it was just a really weird moment. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Bake Down Podcast. I am Sarah. I will be your host today. And with us, as usual, we have the lovely Howard. The marvellous Jane and the fantastic Dan. How are you all doing today, guys? I'm good. I was nervous what adjective you were going to use to describe me there, Sarah. Um, so yes. was I. Glad to hear I'm fantastic. Um, no, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, how are you, Howard? I'm good. I was just... Uh, listeners don't actually know whether we recorded that about three or four times until you were <laughs> happy with the adjective. <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> and Jane, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've had... Yeah. This is pretty good. It's, life is calming down a little bit. It's been crazily busy, but today I'm I'm fine. Thank you. Lovely. Well, we have we have a moment of calm to discuss a uh, bread week, and here we are. We knew it would be bread week, wouldn't we? We had uh, cake week, biscuit week, and then bread week. That's the the routine things have seemed to have been doing in the past few years. So here we are with bread week. Now, first of all, uh, I would like to get a little bit of a hump off my chest straight away. Um, we all know that Paul Hollywood is a massive, massively talented bread baker. He, his dad had a bakery. We get it. But is it annoying anybody else that everybody goes on and on and on about bread week being Paul Hollywood's week? Does it get on anybody else's nerves? I, I have to correct you. I think Paul actually invented bread. Oh, I see. <laughs> I am just right. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it is. I mean, listen. It's his week. You know, when they set up the technicals, you know that they they take it week by week, don't they? And you know they set it up so Paul's is always bread week, isn't it? It's sort of, it, mm. it's his thing. Whether he is really, you know, the world's greatest master of bread, it remains to be seen. But certainly in the context of Bake Off, he is, he is the bread king. And the contestants were 
all too keen to let us know. I love bread week um, for the simple fact that whenever I'm in the tent and we've had to do any bread, it's quite relaxing, isn't it? Because you get a mm. bit of downtime while you're waiting for things to prove and you actually see people having cups of tea. So on, there is the tension of Paul, you know, looking at everything you're doing, but there's also a little bit of downtime, which I think we all appreciate in the tent, don't we? I, th- I think we do. But I think also sometimes it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because sometimes you think, oh, I should be doing something. I should be doing something. And uh, and when you're sitting there having a cup of tea, that can actually make you a bit nervous as well, I think. So give your brain too much time to think. Mm. Yes, but also, you know, you have a lot of hanging around, especially those first few weeks when there are a lot of people in the tent. And and during the day, there's a lot of hanging around between challenges. You're waiting to get a little bit of filming done. You're waiting to come in and have those what they call beauty shots where you're staring aimlessly at your bake. <laughs> and then if you hang about for two lots of proving, doing nothing, we know what it's like in classes. We don't want people to hang about for ages and ages, do we? We, we always find something to fill the space. Um, and I think by the time they've hung about in the green room, we used to do, gosh, we used to do singing in the green room. Oh, let me tell you, it didn't sound anything like singing. Um, but we used to have a big laugh and we used to play lots of board games. But then if you've got lots and lots of hanging around, well, it's proving time as well. Gosh, it's a boring week for them. <laughs> I really do think it must be a boring week sitting there trying to look as though you're doing something. My my head is very busy. So um, I'm in, fascinated to know how empty yours is, Jane. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, right. Oh, well, I'm, go- I'm going to stop us here, children. Is it setting the tone for this week, Dan? <laughs> I've had too much coffee. Blame the coffee. No, I'm a, I'm a chronic overthinker. My head is always going 100 miles an hour. So I think uh, I would side more on Howard's side on that. I would be overthinking everything and panicking about every detail that doesn't need panicking about. I think we all know that when we make bread at home, you go away and you leave it and you come back in an hour. You don't give it a second thought, do you? Um, and, of course, in the tent, you have every moment to obsess frantically of every minor detail and uh, wonder if your bread needs poking or if you're doing everything right. Did you have success in bread week? Yeah. Uh, yeah, all right. Actually, one thing this um, reminded me this time, because at one point Nikki said it's Baltic, i.e. it was cold. Mm. Um, and our bread week, they give you these ridiculous times to make your bread, two hours, 45 minutes, and they expect it to be proved perfectly. <laughs> They're always, always underproved. I'm like, oh, I wonder why They're that might be. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> Funny that, isn't it? And I know our bread week, it, there was frost on the ground outside, and I'm sure I've said this in podcasts before. You know, you come into the tent at half past six, quarter to seven in the morning, check all your ingredients, check your recipes there. And all the ingredients have been out overnight because the home economists have set it all up, made sure all the benches are fine the night before. And what you don't even think about that first bake, i.e. the signature, is those ingredients and the bowls and the tent are all the same temperature as outside. And, and, And if it's freezing cold outside, all your ingredients are freezing cold. And as a consequence, everything takes longer to prove than it did when you were practising in your kitchen. So we all fell foul of that, certainly, that very first bake. Nothing really rose. I know poor Candice had the most horrific time. I think hers, Paul for Hollywood, even refused to eat it. It was raw. So it's a very, very difficult time of year to be baking bread in a tent, I think, when they give you absolutely no time for proving. 
um, which is always my bugbear. As Paul said, you need to spend time developing the gluten. What, in two hours and 45 minutes? It's just bonkers. Um, so it's a very, very tough challenge for week three of Bake Off when you're doing it in a tent, probably in April, in the middle of the countryside. Mm. So I do sympathise with all of them, actually, for being a bit underproved. On that note, let's start off and go through all the different challenges um, of bread week or the bread dread, the dreaded bread. I don't know. Maybe that's going to be the new Hollywood handshake. Uh, a bit of a dreaded bread week. But we'll we'll start off and we'll go through the challenges. So let's start off with the signature challenge, which was a cottage loaf. And as Jane just mentioned, it was two hours and 45 minutes. And bless her, the way Alison said it, she's like, we'll give you two hours and another 45 minutes. It's like, that's not all that generous <laughs> that you make it out. But thank you, Alison. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what a cottage loaf is, it's, how, it's not, as Noel pointed out, a bread in the shape of a little house. Um, it is two round cobs uh, stacked on top of each other. Um, top one's usually smaller than the bottom one. And I'm sure we will get onto all the in innuendo that that entailed later on. Um <laughs> But what about this challenge? How would you think this is a nice uh, challenge for the signature of Bread Week? Yeah, I thought it was a nice challenge. Quite quite often, traditionally, cottage loaves are simply a plain white loaf. So I think it was nice to see that people were, were you know, doing different flavours in there. Oh, and for me, so nice to see some savoury going in. Oh! <gasps> Yeah, a Ooh. bit of cheese, some, oh, lovely. Um, but yes, I thought it was nice. I think Prue said it um, It kind of covered everything you want in terms of bread skills. So I suppose there's a bit of shaping in there. Um, obviously, there's the decision about what the ingredients are. Um, and also there was a bit, of, um, a bit of slashing as well, wasn't there, um, to go on. So, um, so yeah. I thought it was a nice challenge. It was a good challenge, although I have to say, I remember when they made a cottage loaf before, I think it was in a technical before, uh, when they made it, and there was the technique for joining the two balls together, which caused much hilarity. And uh, <laughs> as soon as I saw they were making cottage loaf, I was like, I know what shots we're going to see this time. And of course, uh, we had them again. The close-ups were really quite intense. Yeah. I was a bit like, oh, <laughs> funny myself. I was a bit like, oh, goodness me, this is quite a close-up. Do you remember when they, uh, Alison was introduced as the new host and they made the thing about, oh, they're going to do away with all the innuendo and stuff. And I think they're doing an absolutely fantastic <laughs> job with the innuendo. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> Clearly the innuendo is here to stay. Um, I mean, I didn't understand it myself, but I hear other people found it hilarious. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it is quite a tricky bread challenge. It's the, the making the dough, the shaping is quite difficult. If you're not familiar with bread, you would have found the shaping quite difficult. It seems simple, just uh, two, two balls, but actually it's not quite so simple. Um, so yeah, a good test. Um, and I think we got a sense of who is comfortable with bread and who isn't. Yeah, you say that though, but look, the only person that admitted that they don't make bread was Dana. Mm. That sounds like a lie to me, though. I'll tell you why. Because why? when I went into the tent, I knew I was good at bread. Like, I, bread's one of the things that I do. And, I, I, you know, some people just understand it and some people take years to get it. It's one of those things I just got straight away. So when they're like, oh, how good are you at bread? And you just downplay it. You're like, oh, I just do make bread sometimes. You know, it, it, you don't want to be like, I'm amazing at bread. Because well, the first thing that will happen is that someone will say, rubbish. 
And we know that you always trip up when you've said how good you are yeah. or you've made it before or all that. But to say you don't make it is a bit of a shocker, really. I mean, I love making bread. I don't make it as much now. So it would appear that I'm now gluten intolerant, which is really, really, really Girl, irritating. Same. It's so Girl, annoying. Really irritating. Um, so I only really make bread for my husband now or when the kids are down or people come around for dinner or something but I don't eat it myself sourdough is more digestible sourdough because of yeah, but because of the length of the proof, it's more digestible. So you can probably cope with sourdough still, Jane. No, oh, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um, and to, but not to make bread. And when you're going into Bake Off, we all know, and I'm sure I've said it before, that, you know, if you put on your application form, I don't make bread, generally it would end up in the reject <laughs> pile. So she must have told a fib. A fib or a I, white lie somewhere along the line to be in the tent. No, is no, what no, I'm no. Saying. I think it's part of Dana's personality. I think it's part of her personality to downplay her strengths. And she sort of presents herself as kind of a little bit silly and frivolous. But I don't think, she, I think, you know, that it, she's got a lot of depth to her, actually. And I think it's just, you know, some of, the, some of us, I like to present myself in a quite frivolous way. And sometimes people are surprised when I've got a brain. Uh, it can be quite. Sh- it can be quite shocking for them. Yeah, um, we were shocked, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so I think it's just Dana downplaying her strength. I think. Oh, okay. That's my okay. interpretation. I, I think she's. I think she's quite chilled as well, Dana. I think it was interesting. I mean, we were only three weeks in, and I think we're already seeing that some people are crumbling a little bit. They're mm. really struggling mm. with their their kind of nerves and confidence. But I think I think Dana's all right. I think she's quite level headed. How does she break her bowl? Well, she didn't have. I assume she didn't have How it through there. But the amazing thing was, like, there's broken glass everywhere and everything was ruined. And she sounded so utterly unbothered about it. Oh, I guess I have to start again. <laughs> oh, there's a bit of glass in this, yummy. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, Extra crunch. How really lovely. Well. <laughs> well, yes, let's start talking um, about the breads that everybody was making. Since we uh, talked about Dana, uh, Dana made a lovely Breadly Cooper. <laughs> that was funny. I'm not entirely sure why it was named after Bradley Cooper. Uh, but you could. Hot. I think oh, I see. Oh, and the yeah. loaf is yeah, hot. I, yeah. I see. Okay. Well, you could have had uh, all sorts of things. You could have had Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. You could have had. You could have had Bread Sheeran. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. No, no. Ryan Reynolds. Kristen Bieber. Kristen oh. Bieber. Oh, sorry, I thought you said Beaver. I thought you went back to week one. No, no. Or my personal favourite, Elvis Pretzley. Oh my hey. god! I definitely did not research those in preparation no. for the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm trying to think of one for Henry Cavill, but I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't think too much about him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she had really uh, smoky flavours in her loaf, didn't she? She had uh, chipotle, smoked cheddar, and bacon. And I think the judges liked it—a slightly wonky mm. top. Um, but this thing kept coming up each time. Was Paul kept saying, "You just needed to prove it another ten minutes. You just needed to bake it another ten oh. minutes. You just..." And it's like, 
they don't have the time, Paul. <laughs> they literally don't have anything to do. And Jane, I feel like this is going to bring you into a bit of a hump here, so take it away. Oh, no, I just think, why set them a challenge that's unreasonable? This sets them up to fail. What was wrong with giving them three hours? And I know they, they work backwards. Okay, it'll take 40 minutes. This is not the contestants. This is the powers that be. It'll take 45 minutes to bake. It'll take 45 minutes for first proof, 45 minutes for second proof. But my goodness, that doesn't allow any time for you to be interviewed by Paul and whoever and whatever. Um, and then all the time you're baking, there are people coming around sticking a microphone under your nose or asking you to move out of the way so they can take a picture in your oven and all that sort of stuff. So I just think, give them a realistic amount of time, two hours and 45 minutes for a double prove and it you couldn't get away with a single prove with this no um, and because you can with some things and we do in a class for a babka but you can't with this so just give them an extra 15 minutes where's the harm in that unless you want them all to be underproved and doughy or underbaked i it makes me cross every time they do it yeah and and we you know, if we're trying to also make it a little bit educational for people at home if they try and bake something in two hours and 45 minutes like this, they're probably going to fail and that's not going to make them feel great. I just, I just think it's, I mean, I it's, it's tight. The timescales are tight, but it is possible. I mean, I never had uh, any comments. My bread was underproved in the tent. Am I just an incredible baker? You're an incredible something. <laughs> <laughs> the deafening silence. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is. It is hard, but I think one of the things that they say to you in the tent, I think this is kind of true, is you have to work backwards. So if you know it's going to need half an hour in the oven, you know, five minutes to wrestle it off the tray, you sort of do the time backwards and work out, you know, if you have to have a shorter proof, it has to be your first proof has to be the shorter one. Because you, if the second proof isn't long enough, then it will be dense. So sometimes it's just about balancing the time and looking at your watch and going, actually, I wish I had an hour to do the first proof, but I've only got 40 minutes. So that's what I'm going to have to suffice with. Because you cannot, if you if the second proof is short, then it will be like doughy and dense. There's no way around yes, it. Yes, I know. I know. But this is people we it's hard. It's in hard. the tent on a cold day. And I know they've all got proving drawers and things. But it just an extra 15 minutes, Dan. Mm. The time it takes to put your bread together and knead it, just give them that time. I know that just means there'll be a lot more hanging about and having cups of tea and, and playing cricket with an orange and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and a what? A baguette or a bowl? Poor Alison. She took a battering, didn't she? <laughs> she did, rather. <laughs> I think Saku was out there to get her. <laughs> I think she's just pretending to bowl it. She's really just pelting her with I'm just going to whack it. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything more about the length of time because I, I think it's unreasonable and it happens every year, but it's just my moan over for today. Mm. Just for today. Well, let's talk about our lovely flavours that we had going through all our lovely loaves. Um, a garlic lot of garlic <laughs> and yes, a lot of a rosemary. Lot of <laughs> Indeed, a lot of garlic. I mean, who, Nikki, Dan, Tasha, Abby, well over half the bakers were using garlic and then most mm. of them were using rosemary as well. Howard, which loaf really stood out for you as being one that you'd like to tuck into? Well, we've talked about Dana's. I, I did like the uh, the sound of Dana's. I like Josh's as well. Uh, who else's? So Josh had got his Nduya olive gruyere 
basil. I think you've got some honey in there as well. Mm, yeah, I think I so. I think it's basically, I think it was, well, it was pizza inspired, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. quite often you do get a little drizzle of, of honey on a meaty pizza. Mm. So, uh, it sounded good. Yeah, Tasha's, uh, it did sound good. Mm. I, I liked the sound, even though it was quite simple. I like the sound of Nicky's with a smoked garlic and rosemary and a little bit of sea salt, but she just went too mad she with killed it, it. She? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she really did didn't she bless her i mean i think she was so proud that it was scottish sea salt she just went a li- that little bit too yeah. far <laughs> i'm not sure how scottish sea salt tastes any different to any other sea salt but uh that's a debate for another podcast um dan's i think looked really nice uh with the wild garlic pesto mm. a lot of wild garlic in this episode mm. Um, which is not a bad thing. Little foragers. Yes, the foraging. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the judges really liked Dan's loaf as well. Um, they said it needed, the pesto needed a bit more distribution, but it was a really good texture and a delicious flavour. He only put it in the top ball. And if you're slicing it, I mean, is it two different loaves or is it one loaf that's in a double layer? And, and I would have thought he should have put it in the whole of the loaf and not just in the top ball. That was, and I, as I was watching it, I actually put, oh, only in the top ball, exclamation mark, um, before Paul said anything about it. And I think when you're doing a whole loaf, very different for the showstopper, when you're doing a whole loaf, you know, you don't want to say, oh, can I just have a top bit? Or if you eat all the top bits, oh, now we've on the second bit and I don't like it as much because he hasn't got the pesto in. So I think he, he missed a trick there. Mm. But it did sound lovely, smoked bacon and wild garlic and rosemary and pesto. Yum. But I did I did want to disagree, actually, about this distribution. Oh, through, did you? Through okay. Get her, Howard, yeah. get her. No, I'm, no I, I agree with you. If you'd only put it in the top loaf, I, I think that was a bit silly. Um, but... But this, I think Paul picked up on quite a few where he said, um, oh, it's it's in like ripples rather than evenly distributed. Mm. Well, I like a ripple in a loaf. I like if you yeah. cut into it and you can see a sort of ripple of pesto yeah. or something like yeah. that. I think it's nice. But it still has to be distributed. The, the ripple has to be distributed yes. still. still. Yeah. So, no, I, yeah. I agree with you on that front. But, yeah, it, it's a bit sad when you get, you know, a mouthful of just plain bread when you're seeing someone else eating all the bits of bacon and cheese. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, there's a balance to be struck. But, no, I do I do like the ripple. Do you know one thing that bothered me about this challenge a lot? And, you know, when someone just says something that completely contradicts something else that they've said, which was just Abby said something that really interested me. She said, I like to do it by hand so I know when it's ready and then I can feel when it's ready rather than just putting in a mixer. Mm. But then she said, I count how many times I need it so I know when it's done. And I just thought, oh, 300 times. Yeah. So I'm like, well, are you testing when it's done or count? Because if you're just counting the folds, you can just put it in a mixer and time the mixer. I mean, that's what I do. I mean, yes, sir. We all learn to make bread by hand, don't we? I'm sure we all did. But there comes this point in time where you're like, I'll just bang it in the mixer. I'll come back in five minutes. It'll be done. You know, you don't need to, to sit there and babysit, especially if it's a wet dough. No one wants to be cleaning out that from under their fingernails for the next 10 minutes, do they? So, um, yeah, I just think bang it in a mixer. But wouldn't you? Would you bang it in a mixer? Well, yeah. Or did you want the theatre of kneading on television? No, no, no. No, you go for whatever you can do to cut down on the time. Um, mind you, they have plenty of time. Um for hanging about that is you might as well need it rather than stand there and watch a mixer mm. i find 
I like certainly at that initial stage when you've added your liquid, because we all know that different flowers absorb liquid slightly differently. And if you just weigh it all out, shove it in the mixer, you might go back to it after 10 minutes and go, oh, this is a bit dry or a bit wet, which I suspect is what happened to Abby's as well. Um, and I, I like to get my hands in and feel as though I've got the right level of moisture. You could then just whack it in the mixer and let it carry on mixing. Um, but I quite like to do mine by hand. I think and where Abby went wrong, or one of the ways she went wrong, actually, was she didn't have enough salt. And Paul picked up on this. Um, so I don't really understand the words that I'm saying right now. But salt <laughs> stri- strengthens the ionic bonds. I don't know. Say, yeah, I, I, yeah, apparently. Isn't it? I didn't know what that was about. When he said it, it's effect, not enough salt, it's affected the structure. Yeah. I thought, never heard that before. Yeah. So if you if you just put water on flour, it gets stretchy, but it just stretches and there's no ping back. There's no elasticity to it. It just stretches until it snaps. Um, when you add salt, it makes it elastic. It sort of makes it pull back on itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. So actually, yeah, it's not, I mean, it is for flavor as well, but it's also, it, it won't have the strength if it doesn't have enough salt in it. And so that I thought initially, yeah, either too wet or not enough salt or, you know, sometimes if you just need things forever, eventually the gluten just gives up and dies, doesn't it? It just sort of like can't hang on anymore. But how long does that take? Oh, ages. Remember watching a program of um, some people who shall remain nameless, but famous people going to a bakery in Paris mm. and they were kneading in a big machine there their bread for their French sticks, which apparently get delivered to the Elysee Paris, so considered to be the best French sticks in baguettes, sorry, in um, Paris. And they said the machine was going for 40 to 50 minutes. Really? And I thought, blimey, doesn't that wreck the gluten structure? Um, so, But if you stick it in a machine for 8 to 10 minutes... 10 minutes is usually enough. It won't wreck yeah. the structure, though. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking you have to leave it in there for absolutely ages. To I've got to worry about my electricity bill. I'm not leaving it running for 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, as Sarah knows from pre- from classes, my mix, stand mixes for display purposes only. One time I've seen you use that thing. <laughs> One time. Really? One time. <laughs> And I can't even remember what it was. Well, we don't use it in classes because you won't be able to hear us doing <laughs> stuff anyway, will you, if the stand mix is... Oh, I use it all the time. I love in the classes. stand mixer. Yeah. Do you? Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't. Yeah. Well, anyway. We're all different. <laughs> we are. So let's continue. Uh, let's just quickly do a roundup of uh, the signature challenge. Um, Rowan had a bit of a... He well, he did, he did well. Mm. I think it was a good flavour and it was a good structure. Um, but his comments were, "It looks monstrous," and he did have to do a bit of surgery pre-presenting the bread. Uh, but he did rather well with his olive and sun-dried tomato loaf. What was the SSS all about? Yes, what were the S's for? I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. I think it was just meant to be swirly decoration. I'm not sure it stood for anything particular. Mm. Um, but Rowan I loved he was just mm. serving me like theatrical farce like with everything just like falling over and you know putting sticks in it to hold it upright and then it was just it was just fun 
I like Rowan and in, I like someone who in the face of disaster can just sort of laugh at the situation and, you know, not get too upset about it, which is yeah. so unlike me because I do just get <laughs> irritable when things go wrong. But the fact that he was just having fun with it and not sort of beating himself up over it made for, you know, enjoyable television. He's very lovable. Yes. I liked his comment, I'd rather be monstrous than mediocre. Yes. And I thought, yeah, I, I would too. You. Just yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> monstrous i'm like oh no i'll be mediocre thanks oh bless him he is fantastic um christy did a good loaf as well uh cranberry rosemary and walnut with multigrain flour um she had a good color and appetizing and a decent loaf which i think is high praise from paul hollywood in bread week uh needed a bit more salt but otherwise rather good uh saku did a good loaf as well sri lankan cinnamon and orange uh, good height, good colour, not enough orange, but pretty good for Prue. So all in all, rather good from the signature. Mm. Yeah, I thought so. Well, we didn't mention Tasha, did we? I thought hers was... Oh, uh... we need to mention Tasha. So malted loaf, did she put malt in? Which actually was a tip I got from you, Dan, to put Ooh. malted malt. And I always keep a jar of malt now, extract. Did she put, Did she use a malted flour or did she use malt? I didn't see. We'll never know. I think it said malted grain flour. Oh, was it so, malted grain? Yeah. Well, now we know. We didn't, we didn't mention Matty either, did we? No, no. Oh, bless <laughs> him. T- tugging away with that knife to slash his life. Gosh. <laughs> but he did have good uh, good comments overall with a good yeah. balance of flavours. I mean, he had olives, sun-dried tomatoes, parmesan and chilli, uh, which all sounds really, really nice. Very Mediterranean or very yeah. centre of a Pizza Hut table, you know, where they have the chilli flakes and the parmesan, stuff all of those in. I loved Matty's cutting. I loved Matty's cutting technique. I, I was living for it. For those, for those <laughs> who does- don't know... Um, you're supposed to make a, use a very sharp knife to make a, yeah. a swift and single cut, uh, you know, to make, to make it a nice split. And some people oil their blades, some people put water on them, all kinds of things to sort of get a nice, quick, even cut. And Matty looked like he was chopping up sandwiches for a picnic, didn't he? I mean, he was just hacking away at this thing. Um, it was a little bit horrifying, but it came out looking surprisingly quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple of monstrous loaves, and not only in how they look, but in how they've been slashed. But yes, really good comments overall. I think Tasha's came out as being really, really nice. Um, Prue said she'd be very proud if she'd made that. Um, but then Paul said it was a bit dense. Well... So I'm not quite sure what that was about. Ten minutes away from being perfect was how he described somebody's. Whose was that? Yeah. So So, go back to my point. Give them three hours, not two, four. I think they said it's 90% there. And I think that was the, like, that's actually pretty high praise. I mean, nothing in the tent is ever 100%. I mean, did you ever make anything in the tent that was better than it was at home? I didn't. You know, it's uh, in the tent, everything is a little bit less than perfect. Uh, so 90% there, I think, is, a, is pretty much a, a, compl- a, a stronger compliment as you could hope to get. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Excellent. So that is the signature challenge with possibly Matty, Josh, Dan, Tasha, all slightly pulling ahead. But still at this point, anybody's game. Now, our technical challenge. Now, on Bread Week, this was eight Devonshire splits. Now, Devonshire splits are enriched dough buns. Uh, They are split down the middle, almost like a hot dog bun, and then filled with jam and cream. So 
I guess almost like a baked donut. Yeah. In that yeah, respect, nice really. More like more like an iced bun, if anybody knows what an iced bun is. Um, and there was two and a half hours uh, to make those. Now, what did we think of Devonshire splits? Good enough for bread week? I've got to be honest. I've never heard of them. Have you guys heard of really? them? Really? Because I wouldn't have known. I'd have been in full panic stations because I don't know what they look like. Did you know, Jane? Well, they're just like a... Well... I, I don't think I've ever eaten one, but I think I you could have know. figured it out. I think I could have figured that one out because it's just like a, you used to get those finger ones that were cut. Oh, they were the, they were donuts, but yeah, I think I'd have worked that one out. All right. Um, <laughs> I mean, it it's a bun. I'm sure the instructions were, and then slice it. I don't think any of them had any trouble in what they should look like. Well, they just had lots of other problems. Do you do they do you see these in bakeries up north then, Howard? Do you see them quite regularly or Devonshire splits? <laughs> no, Devon's not up north. Devon's down southwest. I know. That's why I'm asking. Is it, is it something that has transcended the country or not? Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I, I can't recall ever having seen one in a, a in, the wild. in a bakery. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that's going to hang around very well, is it? It almost no. has to be done quite freshly, like like when you're doing a scone or scone. Um, so I, I'm not sure about that, but uh, but yeah, I did know what one was. Okay. I really like Dan's logic that if Dan hasn't seen something before, it must, it be, must a be a northern delicacy. Door. Exactly. <laughs> Come <laughs> up, Dan, see the riches that we have. <laughs> Devonshire splits running wild and free. Haggis <laughs> flying through once. the sky. Right. <laughs> he lives in London, folks. He doesn't get that much. <laughs> oh, Dad, you're a proper Londoner, love. It takes me an hour to get out of the city. It's not worth the hassle. <laughs> but they did look lovely, though. And I, because I'd never seen them, this look, which I'm assuming is an iconic look of having the slices of strawberry kind of set into a cream, I thought that looked really attractive. As Howard said, I can't imagine they keep very long. I imagine that would get a little okay. bit uh, wet and uh, interfere with the cream quite quickly. But I thought it was a very attractive look. I thought I thought it was attractive. I'm not entirely sure that is traditional. I think no. it, I think the jam and the cream is, but the kind of strawberries on the top. I think were a little bit of is that uh, just for TV? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, I, I might be wrong. But... but many years ago, you'd you'd have a bakery, and they would be the chilled bit where they kept the things with the fresh cream in so there would be sort of sandwiched together palmiers um with jam and cream and and these sorts of things would be in there this was back in the dark ages you went to fancier places than me honey like we had custard (laughs) slices that was exotic (laughs) (laughs) um and i don't think if you go into a bakery there's you have a, a sort of chilled section for things filled with lovely fresh cream maybe you do in in paris or spain or or something like that. So I think we've we've lost the fresh cream element. I, I guess it just doesn't keep, does it? So uh, uh, exactly right. If you haven't sold it, you, you know, it might you have be to go in. The, it can't you hang on to, till tomorrow. It have to go in. You the might bin. have to yeah. eat it. Oh, what a shame! Mm. So overall, um, I think. Well, I think by the end of the judging, Paul was not happy uh, overall with how everybody's buns were. Um, there seemed to be a lot of trouble with irregularity, different sizes. Again, underproved and dense. See previous comment about giving people more time. But in general, they looked all looked reasonably good. I don't think there were any major, major problems. I've not, I've not written Dan. anything down. Dan, yes. Dan. 
forget Damn. to put sugar in. That is such an error. Because oh, is that a... what he did? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Because if you leave it out, I mean, it, yeah, like putting eating cream off a bit of bread is not a pleasant experience. <laughs> it needs to be a sweetened bread. It's just, it's just weird. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that was a mistake. And obviously his had no colour, did they? Um, yeah. But I thought it was funny that Paul said, oh, they look undermixed. They don't taste good. I can't quite figure out what's going on there. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was fairly obvious what happened there. Yeah. But maybe, maybe that was just me. I don't know. And Rowan's were described as odd and peculiar. I thought it was just a bit of not very good bread, really. I don't know they're odd and peculiar. Some strange comments. Mm. But again, sorry, I did say I wasn't going to moan about the timing anymore, and I, I, I lied. Um, <laughs> Because here we go again, a double proof, and not only a double proof, but they've also got to be cool or cold before you add that whipped mm, cream in, yeah. otherwise it's all going to melt. So how long does the bread roll take to cool? Because you can't cut them while they're hot because you'd then squish them all together and they, they would be horrible. So you've got to let them cool. So it's all very well for him to say you've got 45 minutes each proof, so that's an hour and a half. You've then got to make it. You've then got to bake it and you've got to cool it. Really, really tight challenge. I'm so not surprised that they all were underproved. No. Nobody seemed to have a problem with melty cream either, so I imagine they no. did get them to, to cool in no. time. But they're, they're fairly small. I don't know. Well, anyway, I would have probably done something really silly like put them in the freezer, so uh, I didn't, didn't see anyone I doing that. I don't think that would have helped. I think that no, have, but that's no, probably what I'd have done in a panic. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um. A comment that Abby had, which I just wanted to ask you guys about, was that it tasted very yeasty, which mm. is not a great word anyway um but especially in bread context it's not great so what what do you think could have happened for her bread to have tasted extra yeasty i don't know i'm, I think I'm not sure maybe oh i don't know too probably. much yeast but they should have that should maybe. have been controlled by the recipe they wouldn't have just said yeah. you know just underproving under not not make it taste yeasty as well. I thought Paul said that at one point. Maybe. Maybe maybe she accidentally put a bit too much salt in, which killed a bit of the yeast off, which then it didn't It just sat there, yeah. And it just Mm. sat there, which might be it didn't work, you know, it didn't do anything. You never know. You don't see enough to know what she might have done wrong. Fair enough. Well, the Devonshire split challenge definitely seemed to split the contestants. 
I see what you did there. That was fine work, Sarah. (laughs) Oh, thanks, guys. Oh, great. Uh, Seemed to split everybody, you know, Dan, Rowan and Abby down at the bottom and then everybody else not so bad going up towards the top. So Dan was in 10th place. We know why. Rowan was in 9th place. Uh, Again, his was small, irregular, underproved and dense. So no positive comments there, poor Rowan. Abby was 8th. Matt was 7th. Christy was 6th. Nikki was 5th. Josh was 4th. Dana was 3rd. Tasha was 2nd. And Saku, to her utter amazement, she's so adorable, um, was (laughs) 1st. And she was so happy. I just wanted to give her a cuddle. She was so, so proud of coming 1st. Her comments were good size, bonds, light, well-proved, good jam. Cream could possibly be a bit neater, um, but that's really good comments from Paul in Breadweek. Yeah, I mean, she she was seemed absolutely delighted and surprised, but it's a a real badge of honour to to win anything, Uh, you know, to win Star Baker, to get a handshake, to be first in the technical. So it's uh, it's one you can tick off the list. And uh, well done, Saku. Uh, And under any circumstances, it's great to win the technical, especially when there are still so many people in it. She obviously did something right, didn't she? So uh, Mm -hmm. big congratulations to her. Now, I hope that all our talk of uh, yeasty bread hasn't put you off, uh, because if anybody wants to have a go at making some Devonshire splits, then you can come and join us on Sunday the 15th of October in our Bread Week mystery class with the lovely Karen Wright, who is going to be making some fantastic, as I've said, Devonshire splits. Now, we're also going to be whipping up some savoury scones as well, and we're going to be having... Definitely. Who's doing this bit? (laughs) (laughs) Yay! I will not be interrupted in my section, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) However you choose to pronounce it, and I'm sure we will have a big debate on the day, we will be having definitely a cream tea vibe uh, with some Devonshire splits and some scones. Scones? Okay, yep. Sorry, sorry. I think I change it. I think I change each time, to be quite honest. So, if you want to come and bake some, or if you just want to have a debate on how you say that word, then please do come and join me and Karen on the 15th of October, where we will be making the technical challenge from this bread week some Devonshire splits. How long is the glass going to be? I just, you know, because I have been moaning a bit about length of time. How long is the class going to be? I think we ought to warn people that they might be in for a slightly longer than a two-hour class if you're going to double-proof it. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah's throwing her hands up in the air, folks, if this happens to make the edits, just to let you know. This is Karen's problem. Yeah. (laughs) This is Karen. We ought to warn people if they're signing up for this class that it might take a little longer well, I think that's why I think that's why it's probably a northern thing because it takes less time to prove a, a Devonshire split in in Karen's area. Oh, is it, is it because yeah. have, is it the high altitude? Thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah, we've derailed this so horribly. Did you want to finish Go that on. thing? No, it's fine. No, it's fine. I'm done again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, something about scones. Go, Sarah. Go. So come and join us on Sunday the 15th of October where we will be making Devonshire Splits, uh, the technical challenge from this week's Bread Week, along with some savoury scones with uh, Karen. And that's on Sunday the 15th of October. You can sign up for a class at the Baker with a Legend website. So we hope to see you there. Definitely. (laughs) Howard, 
I'm 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 scone. How yeah. Howard's given up on fighting us on this one. He, no, I'm, I'm not. Being, I'm he's not being the bigger man and just like I'm not saying I'm gone. <laughs> I, no, I'm scone, scone. But uh, he, I did feel under such pressure when I was in the tent uh, because everybody else said scone, uh, Mary Ample. And you think, oh, maybe I've just got to say scone while I'm here. Yeah, but Mary you also said scone. Said... The scone joke doesn't work, does no, it? No, I know that, but I don't think this the joke came before the the baked goods, did it? <laughs> <laughs> Now, every week we ask you guys to send in some questions for us and you have not disappointed. Uh, We have some questions here. Now, we have a question. um, We had a question last week from Stephanie. We have another question this week from Stephanie, but a different Stephanie. So if any other Stephanies Uh, have any questions, maybe you can just have Stephanie's answer something. I know. Now... Um, Stephanie from Savannah says, Hello, Bakers. So glad we've embarked on another season. I write to you from the US with a question that neither my husband nor I can answer. What is the precise meaning of Moorish? After we established that the word had nothing to do with the Moors, we settled on its description as a baked good one wants more of. However, we're thrown off by the ish ending, which normally suggests something is not quite all it might be, like tallish or brownish, or for example. So if a baked good is Moorish, do you just want a bit more of it or the whole platter? Is it Hollywood handshake worthy <laughs> or just above average? Um, so, And Stephanie, yes, you are absolutely right. It is spelled M-O-R-E-I-S-H, which looks wrong, but is right. There is the E in there. So... Moorish, what does that mean to you guys? Is that a really good thing or just an averagely good thing? Well, I thought Dan overthought things. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I think, but, I mean, it, it just sounds so much nicer, doesn't it? If you say, oh, that's delicious, it's very more, doesn't quite sound right, does it? So if you go, Moorish just means you would like more of it if you if you analyze it too deeply i think it doesn't make sense but it does make sense in a sa- i was going to say in, in a sandwich everything makes sense in a sandwich yeah go on <laughs> it does make sense in context i think uh, to me moorish is kind of like moorish is like when something's like really delicious that you want to eat more of it and it kind of implies that, like, you know, you might get a serving of something and then it might be so delicious that you might go back and eat some more and then be standing there at the fridge eating it until you feel physically sick. One of those type of scenarios. Like, that's, yes. sort, of, that's sort of what it's saying. Is it's, like, it's really more. It's like I can literally, I can't stop eating it. It makes mm. me want to eat more. Um, and it's, you know, for me, it's often, as I say, like eating out straight out of the fridge at one in the morning thinking like, oh, my God, how am I going to sleep? I feel so ill and still eating more of it, you know. You know the vibe. We've all been there. Don't look at me like I'm weird. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I agree with you. Custard in the fridge. But Stephanie's right about the ish. It would be like us saying, Dan's nice-ish. Well. (laughs) That would be sort of, eh, he's all right, but he's not all that great. Um, But but that's not what we say when we say food is more-ish. We just say that, like you said, we just want a bit more of it and a bit more of it and a bit more of it and a bit more of it. So... I don't know, just take it as 
us British are being a little bit weird. Really, yeah, like, I've got, as I will have mentioned more than once, you know, I have kids and sometimes they will ask you why you, we use an expression or what something means. And when you have to, ex- you know, you've grown up using these expressions your whole life. And when you have to explain it, you're suddenly like, that's, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Why do we say it, that? It do, it do, but James just said, said a word, British, haven't you? But British doesn't mean a little bit Brit. Well, thank you, Stephanie. You've raised a really, really valid point there. And uh, I, for one, am very happy for Americans to question the words we use, especially as Dan said, you grow up using these expressions and you don't really think about them. And I know we've had Americans question us on what stodgy means and all these words. So please do write in with weird things British people say. and We're happy to explain them to you, especially if they're related to baking. So, Stephanie, thank you so much for your question. And if any other Stephanies want to write in with a third Stephanie question, we'll make it a hat trick. And if anybody else not called Stephanie wants to send us a question, you're welcome to as well. So please send us your questions. You can email us at thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com or you can send in messages via social media. We are at Bake With A Legend on all platforms. So now we move on to our showstopper challenge, which this week was a plaited bread centerpiece. Now, each centerpiece needed to use at least two different flowers, and we had four hours for this challenge. So what did we think of this one? A plaited centerpiece Dan what sort of thing would you have done if this was your challenge so do you know, do you know what I really loved actually was and you know when you someone makes something you're like that's glorious but actually that's not really maybe hitting what they're asking of you and it was my favorite was Christie's okay just because I make a lot of she made some sort of Jewish breads I think she made something that was like mm. Carla and something that was sort of a babkari um they looked glorious I make enough of those breads to know just from looking at it that she'd done a brilliant job that it had a lovely soft open crumb um, so I thought they were great. They were beautifully braided, but it was just two loaves. It wasn't really a centerpiece, was it? So I think I would have been torn on Christie's because I'm sure the bread was incredible, but I do feel she slightly didn't hit the brief on that one. What would you think, Jane? Oh, well, I think she did. So we had almost the identical challenge for our bread showstopper, except I think we had to use three different flowers and it had to be... Mm braided and all this stuff and I did something very very similar to um Christy but I put mine together and proved them together so uh, it came out as mm. one big loaf and and I was thinking about hers I don't know why she didn't do it like that um but when I was looking at hers as she was baking it I was thinking that the chances of those actually fitting together are pretty remote yeah because bread just goes where it wants to go and i think had she wanted to do it that way and bake them separately if she'd put a tin in the middle while she was proving and baking the outside one and then baked the second one and, and proved the um, babka was in the middle and baked it inside said tin mm. they would have fitted so I think it, it would have worked i mean it doesn't say you have to have you know one wonderful show Stopper because everybody was sticking bits and pieces together, weren't they? I mean, Dan's was in several pieces, um, Rowan's was in several pieces, so I don't think that was a problem for me. I just think it didn't look as impressive as some of the others because yes. of the way she had done it. That's uh, all. I will say though, I didn't, re- I don't remember seeing a tin, so I dare say it was in the brief no tins. 
Does anyone remember seeing it in? Yeah, maybe. Actually, Did it have to be? Maybe they were free form. Yeah. So maybe she was prohibited. So they maybe, maybe she must have been um, uh, forced to to do it freehand. On the other end of the spectrum, things that I thought looked lovely as a whole piece was I love the Highland Cow. Like Nikki's yes. um, Nikki's Gorgeous. design is great, actually. I think she's a lovely, sweet woman. I, I can't go with her adorable accent. And I love her adorable bakes. I think she's got a real artistic eye. And I think the showstopper is the way she really shines. And I thought that was adorable. And it was absolutely adorable. I agree. I thought it was lovely. And the way she said, ho- how does she say horns? Horns. 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 I thought Angus, the Highland cow, was my favourite bake. Mm. I, I thought it was just delightful. Sadly, though, we didn't get um, the bread lion in the same way, did we? Which the iconic oh, lion that Paul that made lion. in whatever series, which I'm sure is still languishing in a freezer somewhere, and it was my series. <laughs> it was still in the freezer. You used to get wheeled out every now and then. Um, but I thought Angus was on the way to being all sort of almost lion, mm. almost <laughs> the lion. I, I loved it. I loved the whole way she did it. I thought it was brilliant. I love Nikki. She's great. So I hope she stays. She's a real character. Yeah, She really is. I love her. Now, for this challenge, they were asked specifically to make a centrepiece. And in previous years, they've asked in bread to make a sculpture. Now, I don't know what anybody else thinks, but I think it's quite nice to say centrepiece rather than sculpture, because a sculpture suggests something taller, something that stands up on its own. And I think with something like bread, that's always very hard. I know Rowan did manage it and all power to him, but you're going to have things squashing down and I think that's going to hinder people quite a lot. So to say centrepiece, and most people did, and it was all flat and spread out over a wide area, um, I think gave the bakers a bit of a helping hand. What does anybody else think? Totally agree. And I think braiding was, I think the reason that braiding was an intrinsic part of the challenge is when we want to make bread look pretty but still make it bake nicely, braiding is a great option because it creates interest but you're not making, you know, if you make it bread thin in parts and thick in parts, it doesn't bake evenly or the ends get so dry to make sure the middle's cooked. Exactly. So this is what we normally do. We will braid something but it will be a consistent thickness so that it also bakes evenly so yeah absolutely yeah. brilliant choice it was great that some people did go down the artistic route but as i probably would have done what chrissy did and just done a big sort of braided circle basically with extra braids attached to it you know that would have been the way i would have gone for it and uh yeah some of us like some of us are not artists i'm not an artist i'm a baker and sometimes the showstoppers feel so uh, uh, success feels unreachable for us because we're not artists and we know that there are artists in the tent who are going to make something magnificent with just their incredible eye for you know presentation and some of us don't have that gift and I would have been delighted with this challenge because I might have done well at it <laughs> <laughs> Howard's an artist what would you have done Howard? I don't do you know I don't know I, I liked I, I must admit uh, I did like uh, I, I love the idea of Tasha's uh, I like Saku's, but I also like Dana's as well. I, I think there were a few kind of technical issues with it. The fact that she'd left it to kind of cool down on that that mould uh, that was the upturned bowl, wasn't it? Um, which had made it, I think Paul said it had sweated a bit, which is mm. not a good thing that for bread. But, but that, to me felt like a kind of centrepiece to do something which is a container and, and has other things albeit 
a bit of tat, I think Prue said. Yeah, a bit of old tat. Boiled it with all this tat. Yeah. <laughs> Take the tat out. <laughs> she did seem to have a bit of blanket in there as well. <laughs> Take that out, Dana. The bread's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it, she was right in that the, a lot of the visible work was on the underside. So it was kind yeah. of a shame that she'd done it in that way. So I totally get yeah. what she meant. But she has a rather fun turn of phrase at times, doesn't she, old, old Prue? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, listen, listen, guys, listen. I'm listening. Yes, Jane. Josh is. Mm. So he was going on about tigers and Leicester tigers and, and the toy that he had on the bench that didn't have a name was a lion. I'm sorry, it didn't have any stripes. Was it? Oh. There was a lion and there were no stripes on it at all. Oh, that's shocking. Fortunately, there were stripes, which I thought were brilliant to on, on his bread. I thought it was very good and very effective. But that cuddly toy, which I was very worried that it was going to get covered in dough and be very sticky and nasty sat on the bench, was definitely a lion and not a tiger. So, Josh, if you're listening, have a quick look at some of the wildlife programmes, love. I mean, that was definitely a lion. <laughs> Well, it's a lion. He made a tiger. He did make a tiger, but it's cuddly toy. They're all cats. They're all cats. Does anybody know? Well, none of us do know. Why did he make so many eyes for the tiger? He'd got a tray of eyes. Maybe he was going to give it sake for her peacock tail. It's very hard to match a pair nicely. Uh, I'm sure he was just gave himself a few backups. (laughs) Maybe. No, I have my daughter loves to draw pictures and she can never get the second eye to the same as the first one. So I think he was just giving himself a few options. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. I'm now trying to find a picture of this lion tiger. Sure, it was a lion. Liger. Liger. Liger, yes. There is, yeah. There is. But we ought to talk about Rowan's, I think. I like Rowan's. I quite liked Rowan's the way it looked, so I must admit. I listen. (laughs) So something right old innuendo going on there, though, wasn't there? He said, I've managed to get it up and keep it up. Yeah, I'm thrilled about that. I'm like, well, you're still young, one would assume. Um, (laughs) But uh, no, I think he, you know, we talk about style over substance. And that was, I I love Rowan. He's a great character in the tent. But that really was style over substance. It It was, was, I mean, really, you know, they were like, they complimented one of his breads, but just to make it very clear, Rowan, it doesn't compensate for how dreadful the other two breads were. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I don't want to skip ahead too much, but I think Rowan was lucky he wasn't in more trouble this week because mm, uh, technically that wasn't. It didn't. He didn't demonstrate good bread skills this week. Overall, I would say is that a fair comment? Oh, I think yeah. It was described as hideous, raw, and dense. Was that Rowan or the bread? <laughs> oh, oh, Dan! But, oh, the oh. idea of having a curry-flavored bread makes me feel a little ill. I must admit, it's like I said, it was quite overpowering as well. I oh, think. Yes, yeah, overflavor. Oh, and all of them were. Oh yes, it was a marzipan trunk, wasn't it? That was such a relief. Yeah. <laughs> now, what did you guys think about the judging of uh, well, Abby's comments in the judging? Um, obviously, we can't taste it, um, and if they said it needed more flavour and was too dense, that's fair enough. We can't taste it. But Paul said the design was a bit rudimentary. No, and I, I thought, that, thought was that was really, really unfair. It, it might not have been the neatest or the prettiest, but she did a lovely tree. I think was just as good as some other things, and she'd made the little mushrooms and. 
I think that was really harsh. As I said before, sometimes they'll say something looks amazing and I think it looks just okay. And sometimes I think something looks awful and they say it looks amazing. So I have had this situation before. I thought it looked fine. I don't think it was going to win any massive awards, no. like, but it wasn't no. bad. It wasn't, it wasn't dreadful. There was certainly, listen, I don't know anything about West Ham. But I think like Matty's was less intelligible to me. I didn't know what I was looking at. So it seemed a very harsh criticism compared to some of the other ones. Maybe it did look like the West Ham symbol. I have absolutely no idea. I don't know what that looks like. I thought the drawing, you know, those lovely drawings that we get of Abby's looked more like the lobster from week one than it did a tree, to be honest. But um, that's just what my initial view mm. yeah i thought they were a bit harsh on abby i'd really like to know how that dock flower worked yeah. out it never would have mm. occurred to me um to, to go and get some dock seeds and grind them up and make flour in fact it still doesn't occur to me <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you there james <laughs> it was there for a few seconds yeah. and then it passed <laughs> yeah. my, my brain went oh and then that was the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you about Matty's. When he was painting that on, it made me think, oh, gosh, that really doesn't look appetising, painting all that blue on there. No. But anyway, there used to be a joke about West Ham. It used to be what's watch magenta and blue and slips down the table. <laughs> West Ham in its day. Well, I thought they were doing better these days, but according to Alison's comment, I guess not. So who knows? I think. Mm. What about Saku's peacock? I liked it. I thought, I thought it was... Yeah, I, I didn't... I, I wasn't quite sure it was a centrepiece. It seemed like a few things kind of joined together a bit, didn't it? Mm. But, uh, but, yeah. We've, we've had peacocks before. Nadia did a peacock in something mm-hmm. or other. And, um, Someone else. Yeah. Candice did a peacock. Yeah. yeah, I think Ruby did a peacock, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. She did. Yeah. The last line sort of summed it up beautifully from Paul, which has said, it's impressive art but disappointing to eat. So I think mm. that's um, you know another one who got something right, but uh, but not not the other. And I think in bread week, the bread, the substance of the bread has to be right. And you know, I think even you know we say that you can't taste it; you need to look look at it. But even on TV, you can see when the texture of the bread is very dense or heavy. Mm. You can tell it's it's a a visible error when the bread is dense. So uh, I don't think they could have escaped judgment for that one. But what about Dan? I mean, poor Dan. Dan, But the Mm. idea of writing pizza in bread, I think... Why? Why? I think, yeah, I think it was the whole concept was... I, no, don't get me wrong. I love stuffed bread. I seem to remember bread week. I did exactly the same. My plaited strands had chorizo and something or other in, in a tomato sauce in them. So I, I'm with Dan on that one, but not to spell out five words. You're just not going to have enough time to do all that. It was a it was a curious choice. It was. But I feel like Bake Off has finally arrived because we had someone in tears after day one. And then Dan having a mental breakdown over his bread dough. I feel like mm. Bake Off is, we're getting into our strive now, aren't we? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I just, I know the look on Dan's face when this is all going wrong. And I'm like, oh, I've been there, Dan. I know exactly yeah. how you're feeling uh, when it all just starts going all wrong around you. Um, you know, luckily, uh, there's still enough people in the pack where you're, you, may, you may be able to recover from a mistake like that. 
but it is not a good feeling, is it, when you just know it's not going to end well? Mm. I've never heard the word dead dough. Because he said, he was thinking on his feet, which I really liked, because um, he hadn't got enough dough. And then he said, I've just made some dead dough to, to finish off, i.e. it was just basically flour and water, wasn't yeah. it, really, to finish off the bit. And I just thought, Oh well, no, that's not good either, is it? Well, I the thing is, I, I think it's used. I think it's used sometimes. You know, they used to do kind of harvest festival yeah. kind of uh, mm. bread sculptures, and quite often that isn't yeasted. It's just there for that's decorative it. purposes. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want it to rise because you've cut all the detail into it, and you just want it to sort of dry out and harden. You know, if it if it rose it would distort the design so you would use a non-yeasted dough for decoration so it was thinking fast on your feet but if paul had tried to eat any of that i don't think he would have liked it would he would have broken his dentures but in my year um the lovely kate um hello kate if you're listening hope you're well did the most stunning plaited bread with Oh, gosh, I can't even remember now, but it, it it was beautiful. It was like a Harvest Festival loaf. Mm. It was absolutely stunning. I can't remember what the judges thought of it, but to look at, it was just glorious. The, the intricate little plaits and the ears of wheat and things were, were fabulous. So you can create something lovely. I can't even remember who won in Bread Week. I know it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, we remember when it's not us, don't we? Yeah, we know we that one. It's yeah. Not yeah. Us. But it's it's a tricky challenge. I thought it was a great challenge, and I think four hours was enough. Yeah, you had to plan your time carefully, which Dan didn't, um, and you had to make it so that it was manageable and not go too mad about your design, which I thought Nikki's was so clever because has looked super impressive. And Tasha's, we haven't talked about Tasha's. I thought it was an interesting choice, the Medusa, which I thought worked very well. But again, you put all the snakes on as separate things. I would have liked to have seen the bread more constructed and baked all in one go, which I, I think Paul did when he made his lion. But I think this is where centrepiece versus sculpture comes into play. I think by saying centrepiece, you can you can get away with them being separate. Had they said sculpture... I agree with you, Joan. I think it would have been nice to have yeah, seen it all maybe. together. So maybe that was a, a help. But speaking mm. of Tasha's, um, which was clearly very, very well received by the judges, a work of art, maybe a, the tiniest bit overbaked on the snakes, but just beautiful and fantastic. Paul's final comment just just made my skin crawl a little bit. He said, you understand bread. And I like that. Oh, And it was yes. just really weird. Like, Clearly, there is a skill to bread. She's clearly very good at it. I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody who can make bread well, especially Tasha. But you understand bread, and I like that. Like <laughs> you're not the master of bread. You're not Yoda. Jeez, it was just a really weird moment. <laughs> yeah, she did a great job. Good for her. She did fantastically. But I like that. Oh, go away, Paul. You understand <laughs> bread, and I like that in a woman. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It was just yeah, a bit. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm sure it wasn't remotely meant that way. And after all the media of Paul sleeping with all the contestants, which of course is complete rubbish, it just it's like yeah. Paul, you're not oh, helping not things seen here. This. <laughs> it's just really Howard. Howard every oh, right. year. No, every, every year. You know the media. Right? Yeah. <laughs> is he married? Oh, yes, he got married. 
last week, week before. Yeah, he's either married or about to get married. I can't remember which one. He's he's definitely married. Just recently got married in Cyprus. So if if the media is to be believed. (laughs) Well, on that final note, uh, let's move on to the very last section of our podcast where we talk about who we had to say goodbye to, but who was Star Baker. Now, another time, two in a row, Tasha was Star Baker. Um, I think we definitely saw that coming with that fantastic Medusa loaf. Um, and again, they loved her cottage loaf and she did come quite high up in the technical. So she did really, really well. Um, Howard, do you think that's a, a well-deserved Star Baker for Tasha? And do any of you regret taking her off your first choice list? <laughs> <laughs> I have something to say. Go on, Howard. You go first. Go on. No, you say. You say it, Dan. I, I, I think she deserved. I think it was well deserved. Yeah. I do think it's well deserved, but I will say this: Josh has sort of basically been second place in week oh, two. Yeah. He's also been yeah. sort of second place in week three, and you know that reminds me of one of the greatest contestants that we've ever had on the Great British Bake Off. Me. <laughs> so, so no, I had a very similar experience. Week two and week three, I kind of finished second and didn't quite get Star Baker. So I'm really hoping that Josh will finally get it next week because he's shown that he's fantastic. But um, Tasha has very, very rightfully won two weeks in a row and all kudos to her. She's done a great job. But I feel a little bit sorry for Josh because, you know, yeah. on, on the weeks you don't win, you know that you're literally just one person away. So it would be really nice to see him to win it after coming close twice. So uh, I'm... I do slightly regret changing to Josh now just because Tasha has shown that she's clearly the apple of the judge's eye. But, uh, you know, I would, uh, I, I still have Tasha for my final. I'm still correct. So if um, Josh is then following in your steps down, that means he's going out in pastry week, yeah? In pastry week, that's right. Perfect. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of leaving, unfortunately, we do have to lose somebody. And this week, it was Abby, poor Abby. She was in tears at the end of the first day. She's not really had a good bread week in total. I think in general, her technique was maybe the weakest in the tent. And despite some really lovely flavours and her fantastic foraging, which I will miss, maybe even if Jane won't, um, she she's done really well, but it is her time to leave. So, Jane, what are our final thoughts on Abby? Oh, I'm sad to see her go because I really <laughs> like Abby. But but she said, oh, I just don't you know, I, I have so much more forage stuff to show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it wasn't. Perhaps she should have concentrated a little more on the baking and not quite so much on the foraging. I've got nothing against foraging dear listener really um, <laughs> no no i haven't and i thought it was really interesting when she used the dock stuff mm. uh the dock flower but um yeah it's sad i think it's sad to see anybody go but you know the writing was on the wall but i just say you know, it could have been one of three it could have been rowan and it could have been dan which would have been a shock yeah. now yeah. one thing i yeah. would say about dan in our week bread week i thought candice was going yeah i really did because yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't eat her um signature um 
And I personally didn't agree with who should go in our bread week. So what do we know? Um, so it might be that Dan will come through and win the whole thing just because he had a Maybe. bit of a mare in... in Maybe. But does anyone else fear that we are losing some of our strongest personalities, though? Like, I feel like mm. I loved Amos and he went straight home. Mm. And then I loved Keith and then he's gone. And Abby was really quirky and fun and now she's gone. And I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I hope we're going to keep i mean we still got some of my favorites like i'm not you know but I'm, i feel like we're losing people that i don't want to lose and it's it's a shame it feels very personal it's the same every week though yeah, it's, it's personal for me <laughs> you've got to have both you've got to have a really good blend haven't you we've got some absolute characters still we've got nikki we've got rowan matty is really growing on me mm. but then there are some really lovely people who are great bakers that just aren't as quirky as they are so i'm hoping we'll get through most of it with at least one person who's a little bit wacky mm. <laughs> it just makes me smile i love nikki nikki's my, my current yeah. current favorite in the bonkers state. well i i switched from nikki to abby didn't i, I made abby my my winner why are you so done I, yeah oh, what have i done i'm already out really- Hi. Oh <laughs> right. so, this has been a short series for me. <laughs> so, so thank you, Howard. Uh, you won't be joining us next week. Um, no. <laughs> because basically, I've proved what the heck do I know? Nothing. In fairness, yes. we all picked Tasha initially, didn't we? All of us wanted to pick Tasha. So I think yeah. we were yeah. all. It's only because we second guessed ourselves that we uh, maybe are not right. So you maybe do you want to have Tasha now? Mm. Is that fair? Should we let Howard have time? No, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I, I, I'll, uh, I'll stick with that, babe. Uh, yeah. point no, 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 <laughs> She'll make a resurgence. She'll come back for the yeah. final. She'll be there. <laughs> Well, that'd be good, wouldn't it? We could have Lazarus Week and resurrected bakers. Oh, well, goodness me. Oh, guys, you've made me laugh today. Thank you so much. Howard, Jane and Dan, thank you so much for joining me again. As usual, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, everybody who listens each week. And don't forget, you can sign up not only for our 10-week Bake Along Challenge uh, on our website, but you can also sign up for some more fantastic classes that we have over the next few weeks. We are going to have some fantastic classes with Rosie Brandreth in the next few weeks. Uh, We have a Danish pastries class on Saturday, the 14th of October, and a croissant class on Saturday, the 21st of October. Yes, we do make croissant in one class. Absolutely fantastic. If anybody wants to come and join, you can find all the classes on the Bake With A Legend website. And of course, don't forget, we will be doing Karen's Devonshire Splits on Sunday, the 15th of October, if you want to come and join along with that. And don't forget, you can use the code podcast to get 10% off your next booking at bakewithalegend.com. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Jane, Dan and Howard, thank you all. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.